Let's pray for Nesta. Father, thank you that you have things that you want to say to us and that you use us all to speak words of life, words of invitation, words of challenge, words to spur us on and words to remind us who we are in you. We just ask that Nesta would be able to uh, hear your heartbeat as she shares the things that you've given her to share. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, this is a privilege to be um, invited to share a bit today um, on the next of our, the second of our conversations with Jesus. It's a series that uh, we're doing at the moment. And uh, very, very grateful to Alison here, who's going to do everything without me even seeing. So I'm trusting that what I say will be appearing uh, up there. Um, the conversation with Jesus that we're going to look at today is um, a well-known story to, to some of us. It's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, and it's found in John's Gospel, chapter 4. Um, it's one of the longest stories uh, in the Bible about a woman. And it's one of the longest conversations uh, that Jesus is recorded as having with a woman. But I noticed she did do quite a lot of the talking. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, I'm not going to include all the verses um, because that would take the whole of the time because it's a very long, long passage. Um, so it might be easier for you to follow the text um, as it comes up uh, on the screen. So we're going to start with John 4, and we're going to start uh, at verse 9, because Jesus at this time was on his way to Galilee. He'd arrived at Samaria, hot and thirsty, and it was midday, midday the height uh, of the, the heat of the day, really. And the Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus asked her for a drink. This is where we take up the passage. She said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to fetch the water. So the first thing that I noticed in this um, passage 
is that Jesus accepts everyone. Last time we heard from Paul about Zacchaeus, that most hated tax collector. But Jesus not only accepted him, he invited himself to tea at Zacchaeus's house. And today we're reading about Jesus's acceptance of the Samaritan woman. Because Jewish culture was clear that a Jewish man should not be alone with a woman who wasn't his wife. And furthermore, he should not engage in conversation with a woman. But there is no barrier that Jesus will not cross to accept someone. He wasn't faced by her gender, by her nationality, or even by her background. And he takes the initiative and sweeps aside those barriers of religion and those barriers of society. And she's taken aback when he asks her for a drink, but even more taken aback when he replies, you should be asking me for a drink. She takes his words literally, and she says, well, excuse me, you may not have noticed, but you haven't got a bucket. That well is pretty deep. How on earth do you think you're going to reach the water down there without a bucket? And you know, I started to think, do we sometimes make that response in our conversations with Jesus? Because sometimes Jesus asks us, are we willing to do something that takes us out of our comfort zone? And we say, no, I can't possibly do that because I haven't got a bucket. I haven't got money. And what you're asking of me will involve some finance. I haven't got the money, can't do it, no bucket. But Jesus is talking about something else entirely, isn't he? He's offering her that spring of living water to bubble up inside her, giving her a whole new way of living. He's offering that to each one of us today. He accepts each one of us right now, today. We qualify for the free gift. So let's read on, next part of the passage. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five of them and the man you now have is not your husband. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews, you claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, 
Um, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us, you and me. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So not only does Jesus accept everyone, but Jesus knows everything about us. And the woman is, is taken aback that this stranger knows all about her, and she's very quick to identify him as a prophet. But I think she wants to get onto safer ground. Um, don't really want to talk about my background and my situation with all my husbands. Um, so she deflects the conversation to buildings. That might be a little bit safer. But Jesus says, it's not about where, but about how we worship God. And I really like this quote from uh, Bishop Tom Wright, um, which says, the true and living God isn't contained geographically or architecturally. He is spirit. We perhaps leave that quote up there for a moment or two. Ah, so she's not on safe ground again. So she deflects again the conversation. Ah, well, you may not have all the answers, but when the Messiah comes, he'll explain everything to both of us. Hmm, Jesus said, that's me. I am the Messiah. And I wonder if, if sometimes we try to deflect our conversation with Jesus or even with, with one another. And we change the subject because it's getting a little bit close for comfort and we don't want to talk about those things, whatever they are. Do we push things down and not face them? Maybe it's um, an offense with others. Plenty of chances of that happening. Even in churches, except this one, of course. <laughs> or perhaps it's a disappointment with unanswered prayer. Or maybe it's a fear. Or maybe it's a doubt that you don't really want uncovered. So you deflect the conversation so you don't have to, to face the issue. But Jesus knows everything about us. And you know, sometimes he will prompt another person to speak to us about something that they couldn't have known. So back in the summer, we were here in this place, and the end of the meeting had come, and we were asked to just get into a small group to pray together. And Mark and I were with... Rodney and Sonia. And Rodney just looked at me, didn't know us very well at all at that stage, looked at me, and he just said a word. Now, that word immediately reduced me to tears. I wasn't feeling tearful before Rodney spoke. <laughs> this word, it just immediately clarified what I was going through. And it helped me make sense of how I was feeling. 
And after that point, I felt set free from that particular issue. It was just a word, one word, that set me free. And because it had been identified, suddenly it makes sense. And for me, it was like putting the light on to, act, to find something. And you could, suddenly you see it, it makes sense. And I do like things to make sense. I'm quite a logical sort of person. I like things to make sense. And when they do, I feel I can settle down a little bit in myself because I understand. I'm a bit of a nuisance, actually, when I go to the dentists or to the doctors because I always want to ask them questions. Say, what are you doing now? What, what are you going to do next? And it's not that I'm particularly frightened, not always. Um, I just want to know because I think when you understand what's happening, it takes away that fear and, and that misunderstanding and, and so on. Um, but you know, God can give each one of us an insight like that. Rodney, on one of his pieces of paper, called it a word of knowledge because God already knows this, this fact and he sometimes shares it with one of us so that we can help another person make sense perhaps of their life. And you don't have to be a recognized prophet. You don't have a, a lanyard with a, a title on it because God can speak through all of us. And we could perhaps then be the means of reconnecting others with the Lord, helping them make sense of what they're going through. So the last part of the text, yes, the end is nigh. Just get the right text in front of me. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just what you said. Now we have heard him for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And the third point I want to make, first, that Jesus accepts everyone. Second, that Jesus knows everything about us. And thirdly, Jesus is kind, He's kind to everyone. He gave this woman, this Samaritan woman, no less, the dignity of a proper conversation. He respected her intelligence and he recognized her genuine desire for truth. She wasn't someone who we do read about these folks in the New Testament who were just trying to trip Jesus up 
trying to bamboozle him, trying to make him say something that disagrees with what he'd previously said. She's not like that. And Jesus sees straight through that she actually has a genuine desire for truth. And he gives her the dignity of a proper conversation. Do you know, kindness opens the way for all of us to respond. And we're often surprised, aren't we, when someone shows us kindness. And it's humbling. And I find for me, when somebody, whether it's a stranger or somebody that I know, shows me kindness, I find my defenses come down. And I want to just smile at them, even if I don't know them. I'll smile at them because I'm touched by some action, some word, even some look on the face that actually communicates kindness. And uh, I know some of you uh, will have seen the very moving animation on TV. I'm sure Cheryl and family were watching it uh, at Christmas. And it's called the, Bo the Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. So the boy and the mole, they're on a journey together. They're actually looking for home. They don't know where home is. And they're having a conversation as they perch rather precariously on the branch uh, of the tree. What do you want to be when you grow up? Asked the mole. Kind, said the boy. Hmm, said the mole. Nothing beats kindness. It sits quietly beyond all things. So back in 2020, I was briefly in hospital for cancer surgery. No visitors allowed, had to go in at seven o'clock in the morning um, on my own, didn't see anybody for two days other than the surgeon and the nurse. Very strict uh, COVID regulations. And a long-standing friend of mine decided that she uh, was going to text me several times a day while I was in hospital with encouraging words. And I did have the phone, very, very grateful uh, to be able to have the phone to connect me to people outside that hospital room. And when I came home, this same friend turned up with a pile of books for me to read. She knows that I'm an avid reader, and when you're recovering from surgery, you do have to rather sit still. And so it was a good opportunity um, for me to read my way through these books that, that she'd brought me. But not content with that, she then turned up with meals for us, but not any old meal. Marks and Spencer's meals. <laughs> Posh. We hadn't tasted those meals before. <laughs> we don't buy Marks and Spencer's ready meals. But you know, I was just blown away by her kindness. And I think that actually contributed to the fairly swift recovery that I was able to make because I was so touched 
felt so loved and just so grateful for someone willing not just to think about being kind, but actually to do it, actually to spend money doing it. So in Romans 2, you'll be familiar, I expect, with, uh, with the verse about God and his kindness. And I really liked this message version of the verse in Romans 2, which says, God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Just read that one small. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. And Jesus gave this woman the greatest gift of all, the living water. And many became believers because of her story, which all came from one conversation with Jesus. And some believe that her legacy continued as an evangelist, and many, many people became believers in Jesus as a result of her testimony. And it's said that she came before the Emperor Nero in Rome and inevitably uh, was martyred along with the whole of her family. But you know, Jesus offers each one of us this living water. It doesn't matter if we've been a, be a believer for many years or if we've never had a conversation uh, with Jesus. And what he's offering us is the opportunity to get off that yo-yo of feelings. Feel great today, rubbish tomorrow. Great the next day, rubbish tomorrow. He's offering us something that bubbles up inside us that is the Holy Spirit, that, that spring of living water that bubbles, bubbles up inside us. So we don't have to be a slave to our emotions. Because often our feelings are influenced by what we've eaten, by our lack of sleep, by the fact that we're a bit late and we're rushing and we trip over something, whatever. So feelings in themselves are not reliable, are they? But with that spring of water bubbling up inside us, we don't have to be on that yo-yo of emotions. We can recognize, oh, I'm feeling, feeling a bit low. Actually, I'm tired. I need to get a bit more sleep. I'm feeling a bit low. I shouldn't have eaten that food because it hasn't agreed with me very much. And instead of going down the tubes of, oh, I feel really miserable now, feeling a bit depressed and so on, we can rise above some of those feelings if we have this spring of living water uh, bubbling up. And I just want to, to challenge us today um, to have a conversation with Jesus. Uh, we're going to have a song 
Rachel in a moment. And uh, just giving her a little clue there. Uh, but let us have a conversation with Jesus. We don't need to have a bucket. It doesn't matter if you haven't got a bucket to draw water with because it isn't that sort of water you're after. The sort of water that we're asking God for is that spring of living water. And I'm just going to pray now before we have this song. I'm just going to pray. And if there are any of you who would like to pray in your hearts with me, either because something has spoken to you today, maybe you know that you're dodging a conversation. You're trying to deflect a conversation either between you and God or between you and someone who's close to you because it's becoming uncomfortable and something is being highlighted you don't really want to face. It's time for a conversation with God. If you don't know Jesus and you've never encountered him before, it's time for a conversation because Jesus accepts you. Jesus knows everything about you. Jesus is kind to each one of us. So I'm just going to pray now and then Rachel's going to take us uh, into the final song. And if you feel then you want to be responding in a personal way to Jesus while we're singing, feel free to stand, to sit. Maybe if you're sitting by someone that you trust, then they can pray for you. But let's just pray now. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you that you accept us just as we are, despite knowing everything about us, despite knowing our thoughts, our attitudes, our responses, our actions. And we are so grateful that you are kind. You are a kind God. And Lord, as we recognize this kindness being shown towards us, may our defenses come down. May we be open. May we humble ourselves before you to allow you to speak that truth to us. May we be genuine in seeking the truth. May we be genuine in listening, Lord, to what you have to say to us. And Lord, we want a new way of living. And we just ask, Lord, that you would take us by the hand and lead us, whoever we are, whatever our situation, whether we've known you for many, many years, just got to know you, or we don't know you yet, would you lead us into a radical life change? And we surrender ourselves, Lord, to you. In Jesus' name, amen.